0: on Pro Wrestling History Nerds, it's a special interview episode with Royce Isaacs. Story stories, double crosses, and sweats, Pro Wrestling History Nerds. Hey everybody, it's Nick from Pro Wrestling History Nerds, and I'm back for another special episode, an interview episode, and I'm here with not just one of my favorite wrestlers, he's one of my favorite people, one of my favorite friends, it's Royce Isaacs. You've seen him on NWA, you've seen him now on AEW Dark. Royce, how the hell are you?
1: Man, I'm not bad. I, uh, it was a long day, I did a lot of uh, strenuous physical activities today, but... It's a good day, man. I'm I'm feeling good. It's good to see my old homie Nicholas in and uh, yeah, man, I'm I'm chilling, man. I'm I'm living it up.
0: It's yeah, it's always fun trying to schedule for you for uh, anything when because it's constantly. Sorry, man. I got to be at the gym. Sorry, I'm training with this guy. Uh, seems that during this COVID era, you have been working your ass off.
1: Yeah, man. I. Uh, I- the thing is, it was really tough for a long time. Like, I think I only wrestled maybe like four or five matches all of last year, including January, February, March, when we weren't really locked down. I was... Uh not, you know, I, I, barely, I barely got to do anything. So I took my time and was able to kind of invest in myself and, uh, get in a little better shape. Like not that I was out of shape before, but I really focused on my home workouts at the, the, the home gym. Uh, I learned how to cook for myself finally, like a real grown adult, um, and, and straighten some of my stuff out with my nutrition and whatnot. And, uh, It was, it was, I mean, it's cool to like, actually like learn a skill out of that as well, but also to see the results in my, uh, my physique. And now that things are opening up again, I can hit the gym again and like do heavy squats and deadlifts and such. That's also been you know really nice. So I don't know. I I think that obviously this is a really, really tough time for a lot of people, but uh, it also can be a time that you can take advantage of and make the most of for yourself.
0: Yeah. I mean, not to make things about myself, but yeah, it's like, kind of I'm in the same boat where uh we had all this time I bought a thank you federal government for extra unemployment I bought a steel mace, set of kettlebells cables boxing equipment uh I've been stealing a lot of workouts that I've seen both on your uh social media uh and our good friend Dak Draper's so it's just like constantly like hey, you are my personal trainers, whether you want to be or not. Thank you, social media. I get to steal your, uh, your your workouts. And I think a lot of people, I like my goal was to come back in better shape as a promoter than most of the wrestlers. And I think I'm going to pull it off.
1: Then you, can, then you can be like every other wrestling promoter and be the heavyweight champion of your
0: company. <laughs> that is indeed the plan. I mean, there really hasn't been a lot of shows, but one show that you were on, and I was real excited about this, is Bloodsport. Tell us about Bloodsport for those who have no idea what we are talking about or maybe just thinking like, oh, you got the Blu-ray of the Van Damme movie. What is Bloodsport? Why is it awesome?
1: So, Bloodsport is Josh Barnett runs this uh, this event, and there's been five of them now. Uh, there's a sixth one coming up. It's kind of like uh, I don't know, like the modern day Kumite or something, or like uh, if you ever watched Pancrase during like the the '90s, uh, back when Ken Shamrock was Wayne Shamrock. Um, you know, it's it's similar uh, in a lot of ways to like almost like a Pride fighting type of thing. It's it's like the hardest hitting most intense thing you'll ever see in pro wrestling. And um, it's something that I've been interested in since I saw that, Uh, josh was running these events but i'm really glad that i've been able to kind of come in now and i've gotten to train with josh uh on numerous occasions and uh it's just like it's if you haven't seen a blood sport if you're listening to this and you haven't seen a blood sport i really recommend uh, blood sport five especially uh the one that the last one that just came out but any of them that you can get your hands on it's just like it's it's a different kind of wrestling it's not like um i don't know it's it's different it's just it's intense it's physical it's hard hitting uh, and we really kick the crap out of each other so if you if you like watching grown men fight I think it's a really good mixture of um, sport and spectacle
0: and the presentation is very different than your standard wrestling pr- uh, show because it's not in a ring.
1: Uh, it's well, it's in a ring, but there's no ropes, so you're not like hitting off them. You're not bouncing off them. It's it almost I, without the ropes, the ring almost looks like a weird like uh, it just it looks like a different uh, a different thing. It looks a lot more brutal and violent. So you, you know, like there's ring outs, and you have to reset in the middle of the ring. I didn't get the last blood sport. Someone got thrown into a wall from the ring. But guy Caljack, who's a this mountain of a man, threw a guy into the wall from the ring. Um, and yeah, like the, the last one was at this uh, this undisclosed location uh, that, you know, it, like there was tra- like these like it, it's uh, it, describing it. It'll sound like weird, but you've got to see it like the visual presentation of it all. It's like an old school, like Kung Fu flick where like the final battle would take place where there's all this like 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 uh, barbed wire and trash cans and like red banners and all this like brick. Walls. It looks crazy.
0: Yeah, and the the rules, especially the way a match finishes, a lot different than your standard pro wrestling rules and presentation. Uh, walk us through that.
1: Yeah, you're only winning by either uh, a knockout. So if the referee stops it because he sees you're incapacitated, or by submission. So uh, it's a little different for us as a wrestler. Usually, we have to get off our back within three seconds. You can't you know get that three count. Um, but in this, you're allowed to work off your back. You can, you know, search for a submission. You can strike someone off your back. Um, you know, you can kind of use that strategically. But also, you probably don't want to, like, lay there too much because you're going to get, you know, whooped on quite a bit. Because whether someone's coming with a kick or a palm strike or whatever, it's like you're kind of just a sit and duck. So, um you know, and then also usually, like, yeah, you have rope breaks uh, in in you know normal style uh, pro wrestling, but usually you can't just completely crawl out of the ring. If you if you're out of the ring, you have ten seconds to to get back in, and then things kind of reset. Uh, I, I would say it's also, I guess I, earlier I, I didn't mention, but like UWF matches are also I would say fairly similar uh, or akin to, um, but even those at least had ropes. So this is kind of different
0: together. Yeah, every time I've seen a match from Bloodsport, it's unlike anything you will see anywhere else. Unless somebody's doing a knockoff Bloodsport somewhere, calling it Kumite 2, it went straight to VHS, only seen by five people. Whole different thing, but yeah, there, there's nothing like it. There's nothing that feels like it, because if you're a fan of legitimate grappling competition... This is where it's at as far as the United States is concerned, because if you don't know who Josh Barnett is, in fact, I'll turn this over to you because you're getting to train with him, which if you like 15 years ago when I was a jiu jitsu nerd, I was if I heard a friend who was training with Josh Barnett, I would cry bitter tears of jealousy. Now I just feel it a little in my heart. Tell us about this man and how cool it is to train with him
1: man he is an absolute legend in the fight game um he's still the youngest uh or he when he won the ufc t- heavyweight title he's he w- he broke the record for youngest man to ever uh hold the heavyweight title which i believe still like he still holds he's like 23 or 24 at the time um he's he's been in the fight game for a long time he fought in the UFC was obviously a champion there he fought in Pride and was one of their top guys there as well um he fought in Strike Force and i want to say the only person that uh, he lost to was DC so like he he's an absolute legend in terms of fighting he he uh, choked out Dean Lister in a grappling competition which if you are at all familiar with grappling you know that Dean Lister is one of like the top guys of all time kind of thing um yeah Josh is is an absolute legend he's like a he's it's like when I grapple with him it's like grappling with like a like a grizzly bear or something like that he's just like he's a, he's a another kind of animal it's, it's crazy but I'm very grateful and lucky that I've been able to train with him so much uh he's a really really good instructor he goes into really good depth of like he just understands how to grapple uh how to strike how to make yourself more deadly and um i I really enjoy that kind of stuff i think it's really interesting and fun and it's nice to learn how to you know both use it in a sporting sense use it to protect myself use it to get it in better shape but I just always kind of had an attraction for uh, uh, to combat sports, so it's it's already really cool to learn. But especially from a legend like uh, like Josh, that I was a fan of Josh Barnett when I was you know in you know high school. So it's like cool that like holy shit, now I get to train with the guy and learn from him. And he's just like he's a fountain of knowledge. It's it's crazy.
0: Yeah, because he comes from because so many. Uh, MMA fans in the United States, when they think of grappling, they usually think Brazilian jiu-jitsu, or they think more collegiate or freestyle or Greco-Roman-style wrestling. But he comes from a tradition of catch-as-catch-can, going back through the more Japanese side of things, kind of from that tradition that Carl Gotch started many years ago, where you see the type of wrestling there, and therefore through him and those techniques that – tie back to kind of the the start of professional wrestling in England and the United States in the Victorian era so you're seeing these moves that kind of faded out from legitimate competition as it became less and less legitimate competition but then kind of snuck back in through the back door through um, pro wrestling and Pancrase, which you know had a lot of pro wrestling overlap so it's a different perspective on grappling a different perspective on positioning on submission than you see In your standard, you know, jujitsu or collegiate wrestling style grappling match.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, He trained under Eric Paulson, I want to say. And yeah, like they have, like you said, there's a lot of like different holds and submissions that wouldn't necessarily be thought of, at least maybe now, but at least a few years ago, wouldn't be uh, as prevalent in a jujitsu class. And yeah, like you said, like the positioning and uh, different techniques and ways to pass by that uh, maybe are less traditional. Well, I guess technically are more traditional to an extreme, to like the 1800s or whatever, but had become less traditional in uh, modern times.
0: How do you feel as a guy who's watched a lot of MMA, been involved in wrestling, been involved in pro wrestling, how do you feel like that all kind of matches up stylistically, not just for competition, but for excitement for the audience?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, so in uh, collegiate wrestling, uh, in America, at least, uh, rather than international in America, the, the the collegiate wrestling is focused on control. So it's almost similar to what you were saying with, uh, the Gracie Jiu-Jitsu where you, you want to obviously be ex- explosive when you take someone down, but then from there you want to maintain top position, or if you, if they get away, you, you never really want to expose yourself to the danger of being pinned or being put on your back. You so you kind of have to wrestle, uh, not necessarily conservatively. You can, uh, you can attack, 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 but, uh, it has to be like high percentage, uh, maneuvers versus like, I, I would think a catch cash can, there's almost like this flow of, if this doesn't work, then you go for this. If that doesn't work, then you can go for this or this. Like it's almost more of like a chain together. Like you can feel more free about, um, I guess, attacking, uh, in various ways, because if it fails, there's something else that will open up that you can go to. Um, I think that's also way more exciting for a fan to watch. Like, I don't think anyone would want to watch, other than my mom and dad and uh, the people that unfortunately had to witness me wrestle in college in Iowa. Uh, we really want to watch, uh, you know, a Royce Isaacs collegiate wrestling match because it's like, I. I was definitely more of a control kind of wrestler, like, uh, you know, be conservative, make sure that you can get your points and um, attack when you are certain that you're going to be able to finish that attack versus um, now it's been really nice, especially with, you know, you add in submissions or you add in strikes and submissions as well and all of a sudden it's a whole different ball game where there's a lot more options and avenues open. And it's also kind of opened my eyes in terms of uh, how much more, I mean, it's, it's more fun for me, but also I think it's more uh, visually an appealing style um, to be able to see all this stuff flow together. Um, For example, in the, Uh, my blood sport match with alex uh coglin you see he goes for a uh an arm bar and i'm able to manipulate his feet and uh posture up and come out with a clove relief submission which is like something like that isn't really necessarily like a typical or a traditional counter that you would see in a lot of like uh jujitsu uh books you definitely would not see that um in uh you know collegiate wrestling because I, I wouldn't I would be disqualified for trying to go for a cloak release. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I think it's a very interesting um, um, style. I, I, I've heard like there was a Russian concept, concept of quote unquote playing. Where you kind of just go for submissions back and forth and you feel more free to try for different things because it, it's less of a focus on winning and more of a focus on going for attacks trying to see if they work and then if your partner that you're going with also flows like that you should just be constantly attack 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 counterattack, uh, back and forth and i mean that stuff's very interesting to watch
0: it's very interesting to see historically the ebb and flow of that because When professional wrestling became professional wrestling in the United States, it was Greco-Roman rules, and Greco-Roman rules are fucking boring to watch as a spectator sport. It's a hell of a competition and very useful, you know, it translates into uh, MMA, if anybody questions that, watch a Randy Couture fight, but... Catch as catch can very quickly outpaced uh, Greco-Roman as far as what move tickets because it's exciting. You know, it's not a two-hour headlock. It's boom, go for your leg. Okay, we missed this. Go for the arm. Boom, go for this. Go for this. Go for this. And it made it exciting. And then wrestling very much changed yet again in um, in America during the kind of 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever. And then it kind of seems like thanks to the UFC and MMA across the board, we've now seen that kind of like almost submission style of wrestling, that shoot style wrestling, making a comeback over the last uh, you know decade or so, which I think is really cool. And that's something I want to go back to. You were talking about your own amateur matches. You had a, a, an amateur career. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, so I... When I was in high school, I was a football player and uh my coaches said that to get better i was on the offensive line Uh, i was a little bit bigger back then but not like i was i was a a chubbier kid um my coaches said that if i wanted to get better with my footwork and my hand fighting and uh using my leverage that i should uh try wrestling so that's when i decided to try uh, to go out for the wrestling team and You know, it's one of those things I wish I would have been, uh, one of those kids that started when I was younger and really got into it because it's an amazing sport, but you also are generally going against kids that have been going since they were, you know, six years old or whatever. They could barely, you know, get a singlet to fit or whatever. But, um, I, 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 really took to it and I liked it. Um, I also got the opportunity to wrestle in college at Cornell college. Uh, we had a really, uh, awesome coach, Mike DeRoe, um, he unfortunately had uh some i I believe like a brain cancer or something a few years back and passed but he was a really really interesting guy he had connections to uh because mount vernon iowa where we were is like 30 minutes from iowa city and he had helped run uh the youth iowa uh wrestling camps and stuff like that he he was eventually he was one one he was he was a I want to say an Olympic coach as well for a while, uh, for like the the Olympic teams or the world teams at least. And uh, but he had a connection to Dan Gable, so Dan Gable ran. I want to say two or three of my college uh, wrestling uh, uh, practices, which was really like. That was just like one of those, like, holy crap, like, what is going on right now? <laughs> Dan Gable is running my practice. Uh, but uh, I got to wrestle for a few years in college as well. And do I did both. I did, I did football as well. So I was a two-sport athlete. And uh, I always, after that, had an affinity, obviously, for grappling. I didn't start pro wrestling for maybe another three or so four years after I graduated college but uh in the last every once in a while you know I would find someone that I could get a role with or grapple with and I was a big fan of grappling and and watching grappling I was a big fan of staying up with MMA uh, especially pride and uh, UFC and whatnot but uh in the last I want to say maybe February 2019 is when I met Josh. I, I want to say I did a, a wrestling show, a suburban fight show, and he just was there hanging out, and we talked for a little bit, and then he kind of brought up, oh, like, you know, if you're around LA, maybe sometime we will train. And it was like, uh, yeah, oh uh, yeah, I would really, that would be great. Um,
0: it's like, no, thank you. I, I, I would never want to learn from one of the best. That just sounds terrible. Take it down the road, buddy.
1: Yeah, no, I have to film some TikTok dances later, so we'll see if I have (laughs) time for that. No, um, so I was like, yeah, of course. So we got the chance to train um, a a couple times, uh, uh, I want to say that year, but it wasn't until this year really that uh, we were able to train much more regularly, and that has been a huge blessing because obviously uh, he's he's a legend, but it's also just like it's been good to get back into that... My conditioning is, feels really good right now. I'm like learning skills that I feel like I didn't have uh, before. Like I feel like even just as a pure wrestler, I'm better than I've ever been because I have someone like Josh who is uh, a heavyweight, like a real legit heavyweight that can uh, both remind me and teach me new techniques in just even a pure wrestling sense because... You know, it, I had great coaches in high school. I had great coaches in college. Um, but it's different than having a literal you know, UFC champion be uh, like a, a college coach is concerned about all 40 people in the room. And this is a guy that, you know, obviously there's a couple other people there, but he's, you know, hey – keep your head up on a shot like this. Hey, you know, use your uh, fly pressure with this underhook and then go for the leg like this. Like, it's like the most... It's almost like a, I've gotten this amazing uh, personal training and, and I don't know, it's, it's pretty crazy. But, uh, you know, like a, like a one-on-one kind of uh, uh, training, I guess I should say. But um, it's been really really amazing to I, I just feel very confident in my skills right now like i've learned a lot of new skills and uh that i can hold my own in a, in a room with uh some killers is I don't know, it's, a, it's a really good feeling uh killers i mean in quotations like as in you know good wrestlers good jujitsu players and whatnot
0: One thing people sometimes they don't understand is that there are levels to this. You know, when when your average Joe Jerkoff is watching the UFC and watches somebody get absolutely starched in the first round, they're like, dude, that guy fucking sucks. It's like, calm down. The guy who just lost in one round in a UFC fight could beat up you and all your fucking friends without breaking a sweat. And then the guy above him and the guy above him and the guy above him. And finally, you know when you're learning from somebody who's on that level it's literally just those like tiny little adjustments to techniques that you never would have thought of you never would have gotten from anybody else and it makes all the difference in a huge way
1: yeah yeah absolutely that's that is 100 true um know, I, I think a lot of people will say like oh yeah like uh in theory, I respect like UFC fighters and stuff. No, like you actually have to really get out there and try try a class sometime. If you've never done it, it's like it's going to be the hardest thing you'll ever do. Or try a pro wrestling class. Like I, I, I if you're a fan of something, if you want to have a healthy respect for it, just try it once. I'm not saying to make that your profession, um, but just try it once and 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 just realize when you, you know, just talk from. And I talk from my couch, too. I'll I'll order a pizza and watch fights and whatever and be like, oh, come on, get up. <laughs> oh, you can't be gassed out. I I'm, We're all guilty of it. But there has to be that level of respect for anyone that's willing to do the kinds of things that both in pro wrestling and in, uh, you know, fighting, uh, you know, it's like people are literally putting their health on the line for entertainment and that there needs to be a level of respect to that.
0: Yeah, and I think no matter how, how, how deep into it one can be, our brains still react as a fan because we're conditioned that way, because we will watch a real fight and that back of the brain lizard part of our uh, unevolved personality doesn't differentiate between a real fight, a pro wrestling match, a kung fu movie, because it's a story being told, whether it's Pre-planned, or I guess we would call an MMA fight improv, however we want to put it. But your brain interprets that data the same way, and therefore you have a reaction. It's just a matter of how respectful or realistic that reaction is. Yeah,
1: that's a, that's oh. a good way to put it.
0: You know, as somebody who I think saw your second match ever and has known you ever since, you've always had a very almost... I guess we'll just call it a shoot style um, way of going about a match. Like you're not a, I mean, you've got style, but you're not a unrealistic move type of guy. Everything that I see you do in the ring tends to look like maybe half a degree removed from, you know, actual, actual fighting, actual grappling. So it it really makes a lot of sense that this has kind of been the direction you're going. And did you, you know, you've seen you're a very competitive person. Uh, you, you work very, very hard is, were you ever, did you ever consider doing MMA? Uh,
1: You know, I did. Um, it was, it was something that was kind of in the back of my mind at one point. Um, I just never, I feel like for some reason, I always thought that I would fit in better in pro wrestling. Um, and I, I don't know the wrestling thing was something that i kind of just like i wanted to try it really really bad but i never i didn't get into it thinking like i'm gonna be you know this wrestling star i'm gonna make this my job whatever i I just kind of tried it because I knew I had to try it. I knew that I really, really wanted to try it. And I thought maybe I would do a few matches and it'd be something that one day I could tell my kids like, Oh yeah, I was a wrestler for a little bit. I, you know, won this regional title or whatever kind of thing. And then once I started training, I was like, Oh no, this is like my thing. Like this is really, really what I want to do. Um, but yeah, there was always a, I don't know, there's a part of me that wishes I would have really gone full on into uh, trying to do some MMA. Uh, but all, it's also a very fledgling sport. Like I was, I was really into it in high school, but I don't necessarily, like that's barely when it started becoming like, a, that's when like, there was like the ultimate fighter, the reality show and it started actually becoming more of a thing that, other people knew about but I it didn't seem as much like now it's like there are uh, you know dojos all over the place and it's like a really popular mainstream thing there's a lot, there's so many fans that are just like oh yeah just bleed whatever that like, it's, a, it's a whole different kind of world I feel like than uh, you know it, it, like rapidly evolving like I'm, I'm only 32 but 14 years ago it was not nearly like you know what it is right now that said i i i I don't know i wouldn't mind i would say like on my bucket list there isn't i don't have a ton of stuff i like to just enjoy doing like there's a lot of stuff that i've just checked off that i'm like that's really cool from pro wrestling but like Stand up was definitely on there and shout out to Corey Healy because I got to do that twice uh, through him. And I would say that a fight of like a like a like not just like fighting. I've fought people in alleys before, but like a fight, like uh, some kind of a professional fight would be cool before I uh, before I retire, before I get too old and hang them up. So I think I think I have a few a few years to, to get that in. And if I keep training with Josh. I could imagine that might happen at some point. But we'll see.
0: Oh, definitely a guy who can open a door uh, into that world. One thing I, I, I'm always fascinated by is when you see the pro wrestlers tr- transition over into MMA, because some people just are at that level to start, like the Brock Lesnar's or you know, he's the obvious uh, choice there. And then the opposite side of that coin, you know, CM Punk, who decided to walk into the, the highest possible level and. Absolutely, uh, did not work out, and then you see guys like Batista who had an MMA fight in some super small promotion. I want I want to say it was in New York against just some other guy who was o and o. You know, he won a decision, but it's like he he seemed to understand in the back of his brain, I am not a top level real fighter so i'm gonna start no matter what my fame is i'm gonna start at this level and uh, you know we'll just kind of see how it goes and one company and this is something you and i love talking about it's kind of our favorite uh, mma thing where a lot of pro wrestlers walked into fucking wood chippers and that was in the amazing mma world of japan with pride fc what is it about pride fc that you love pride
1: never die um man everything like just pride in general was great like they knew how to in the the context of I mean there were a few works fights sure but in the context of a shoot they knew how to present it the best like they had the visual presentation down pat you have all kinds of crazy like little intros like Nobuhiko Takada's in a freaking like sumo thong beating on a drum for some reason as fireworks are going off. And you're like, oh, this is fucking cool. And then they're having these, they had like just enough, like people complain about the freak show fights. Cause it's like, yeah, the fucking Paul brothers are douchebags or whatever. But like they would have like, oh, it's giant Silva fighting for some reason. And he's fighting, you know, a guy that's like 180 pounds. <laughs> but Like that guy is like actually a skilled guy. Like they knew how to kind of do the actual freak show interesting stuff but like they would only that would be like the little like that that was like the garnish on the plate because then you also had absolute killers like Fedor Emelianenko or Mirko Krokop Antonio Rodrigo Noguera you know like you had like back then they legitimately had a better roster than the UFC did um they, they 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 mixed just enough like the highest level fighting they possibly could with just enough this is crazy they had a really good commentary team they sometimes would do these little pre-taped interviews and little fun stuff that would like just kind of break up the monotony and keep it interesting um I think their rule set was better I really liked I mean I'm not a huge – like elbows are cool, but I will trade elbows for soccer kicks and stomps and knees on the ground all day because I think it just keeps things moving. You don't have to worry about an Aljamain, Sterling, Peter Yan situation kind of thing. Like you just don't end up there in the first place because someone's not going to take a careless shot and just sit there. Uh, so I think it kept it kept things moving. Um, yeah, I don't know. They just had some really interesting fights. They had the ref cam so you could see – literally like a GoPro from the ref's chest. If you wanted to watch the fights that way, you could
0: do that. And yeah, like the whole thing with the soccer kicks and knees on the ground, those are actually, I mean, the concussive force of course sucks, but it's less damaging and stops fewer fights than the elbows. Cause you know, you catch somebody with an elbow, it's going to open up a cut. The fight is stopped. We've lost momentum as viewers, them as athletes. So you, you get a lot of cut stoppages based on elbow strikes, So in a way, it's way more bloody and bad for your uh, your face than those soccer kicks and knees on the ground. But for some reason, when they codified everything, that ended up being too much. But meanwhile, the thing that slices your face open real bad and stops fights, that was okay
1: yeah i get that it's like visually when you see a man kick another man in the head while he's on the ground i get that it doesn't like i understand i do understand why because we were fighting in the u.s to like not have john mccain cancel us and whatever like i get it um but overall also just like okay you got stomped in the head and you're knocked out the fight's over that's it like it's you're not gonna. It's not like a thing where it's like, okay, now we have to keep kicking him now that he's unconscious. You also just are more wary in those situations of like, okay, I need to not just sit here because I could get kicked or I could get kneed or I could whatever. But also, it like it led to some amazing finishes, like. I don't know, freaking Vanderlei Silva stomping on Yuki Kanda. poor Yuki Kondo, who is a great fighter. Oh, yeah. Um,
0: yeah, like pretty much, yeah, all those uh, like shoot-a-box guys using the 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 soccer kicks and the the jump stomps, it is visually bananas. And you know, and that took him a while to get there because um I, I've been recently watching all of the old prides, and it's so funny seeing how poorly these things were put together because they were still figuring it all out. Where it'd be like, oh, I'm going to wear shoes. Okay, that's fine. I'm going to wear a gi and do gi chokes on a guy who doesn't, you know, I'm essentially choking a guy with, with a section of rope. That's cool. Can I wear my lucha mask? Of course you can. Get in there, you crazy kook. Let's have a karate fight in the middle of an MMA event. Sure, why not? Hey, I have an idea. Let's have, um, you yeah, know, I remember watching, I think it was Mar- um, Igor Volchenshin versus Mark Kerr. And this is before knees on all fours were allowed. He knocked out Mark Kerr with... Um, knees to the head from four points and they declared him the winner, even though that was supposed to be a disqualification. So it just seemed like they were just making it up as they went along. The judges' decisions made almost no sense. And, you know, the, the one thing you and I talk about a lot is all of the Japanese wrestlers that had never had a real fight in their lives being put in there with straight up fucking murderers.
1: They, they very rarely would be like, oh, let's start him out with like an easy match. You'd be like, this is like one of our top heavyweights. Try your best.
0: Yeah. Like you think about how many um, pro wrestlers stepped in the ring with Wanderlei Silva, where it's like, oh, hi. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. You're, you're a good New Japan performer here. Uh, you're going to fight a, a man who is full of steroids and rage and uh, best of luck. Or um, you know Dos Caras uh, later on Alberto Del Rio going in wearing his lucha mask, we, yeah, wear, with a one or a one and zero record, and they put him in with fucking Crow Cop.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're, they put him in there with a guy that his quote is literally right leg hospital, left leg cemetery, like sick. Good luck, buddy.
0: <laughs> yeah, the uh, I like I always remember when they started trying to run. They did like two shows in the United States before they folded, and the athletic commission nixed several of their matches. Cause they're like, this is a mismatch in our athletic commission. You can't have this. You can't have what that, that is two eight year olds in a trench coat. He's not, they're not fighting Butterbean. What are you doing?
1: <laughs> yeah. But I mean, but gosh, it was so, uh, it was so fun to watch. And uh, you, you touched on the judging a little bit. It, it was an interesting system because it was, um, rather than in the US we use the 10 point must system where it's like okay so if you win a round you win you get 10 points if you lose the round then you get 9 or less usually like 8 if you almost get stopped or even 7 or 6 if you're getting really dominated uh there it was a little different because it it was more it was like damage or like cl- how close you were to like finishing a fight so like it would count for a lot if you like had a really deep submission for a long period of time or a few deep submissions, or if you really like you could conceivably get like out wrestled, but just in a controlling way where you didn't take any damage for like, you know, 75% of the fight. But if you, if you drop the other guy and almost knocked him out, you're probably going to get the decision because, which makes sense in like the fight, like you kind of did overall win the fight you were closer to beating the other guy just because the other guy had you on your back who cares it doesn't mean anything
0: yeah then they had the um they had the idea about the the damage and the action meant more as the fight went along so you could have absolutely dominated that first 10 minute round gassed out and gotten worked over for the final five minutes and you're gonna lose you know they like everything was just it's so hard to codify and qualify to even figure out what, what, like, I would love to see their notes. I don't speak Japanese, so it wouldn't make, mean much to me. But once I found a translator to tell me what they're saying, yeah, such it was such a weird show. We did see some of the best true, like, heavyweight and middleweight clashes. We'd see matches where, you know, guys like Kazushi Sakuraba, one of the few pro wrestlers that translated to MMA in a big way. But... That guy probably had a decade taken off of his life because that guy's probably 185 pounds soaking wet. And they'd be like, here, you need to fight a uh, crow cop and Bob Sapp. And is, does anybody have a giraffe with a chainsaw? We're going to do that, too, for some reason.
1: Yeah. Uh, this is how Wild Pride was. Three words. Open weight Grand Prix. Like they would just have a Grand Prix of fighters that just, you have people that are 160 pounds, you have people that are 400 pounds, and we're going to just see who wins at the end of this. It's like, it's pretty fucking wild.
0: (laughs) As a lot of people have pointed out, Pride did pro wrestling better than pro wrestling. You know, they would have those amazing entrances. They'd have their, like, Las Vegas-style LED uh, image um, re- ceiling turning into, like, some sort of crazy fantasy world. The re- the fighters are being presented, like, the Avengers, super heroics, pro wrestling.
1: They had that lady, too, the lady that, like, screamed the people, the, the large white lady that would scream the names of the fighters or whatever. She was really fucking good.
0: Oh, yeah, because, yeah... Yeah, yeah, because they would have the Japanese announcer do the Japanese announcing. And then just her like, you know, Kazuchi Sakurama! Yeah, she fucking killed it. She was awesome. I mean, UFC definitely did have an impact on pro wrestling because, you know, we had guys suddenly coming out wearing the MMA gloves. Uh, we saw more Arm bars and chokes than we did before. So, yeah, so in Japan, the world of pro wrestling and MMA bleeds together in a much closer way than we see it here in the United States because the pro wrestling in Japan still has more of a connection to that, you know, catch style, shoot style wrestling. So, you see a lot more overlap, for better or for worse, in the MMA world over there. Kind of, you also have those kind of Um, middle ground events like pancreas or rings Uh, and you've been over there um, obviously you're working for a much sillier promotion but uh, what what did you kind of have a takeaway for the japanese style of pro wrestling
1: i i've had a healthy appreciation for japanese wrestling uh for for a while i i actually in even before I knew about their pro wrestling, I just kind of grew up really into a lot of Asian culture, a lot of Japanese culture, a lot of Japanese cinema um, and style. Like I was You can find pictures of me as a kid, you know, dressed up in full samurai armor that my mom made me out of like the paper towel roll things, uh, the, the little centers or whatever. She taped them together. And it was, I had a little kimono and stuff. Um, and I was a big fan of like Kurosawa films and whatnot. Um, and then when I found their wrestling, I was like, wow, this is like some of the best, most athletic, but also like really intense wrestling that you have. And when you go over there, you realize like even at, uh, I was at DDT, which is kind of like the, um, more comedic promotion, although they also have some really, really top, uh, rest, just, you know, uh, straight wrestlers as well. Um, But, like, even those guys, like, if you look at, like, a Dan Chokudino, who is probably one of the greatest comedy wrestlers of all time, uh, just Google or YouTube him. uh, It's better than me explaining. Um, But he was trained, uh, you know, shoot at first. He was trained in how to, like, really like fight and uh same with uh someone like kikutaru who's also certainly on that list of like you know top comedy wrestlers of all time like these are all guys that also had to have a healthy appreciation for and learn how to wrestle very seriously and to be able to you know handle themselves and um I'm not necessarily saying that that should be the case 100% over here but it would be good I, th- I, th- I don't think it would be a bad thing for pro wrestling to kind of go back to that a little bit in some ways and have you know uh, if you're if you're doing a simulated combat you should also in some ways like have an appreciation and learn how to do a real combat uh, as well just you know I, I think that visually that's a better presentation it gives you respect for the holds uh, like so if you're doing let's say like something as simple as like an arm ringer you know how to manipulate that joint where it would actually hurt. I'm not saying you should do that to your opponent but just like you should understand why this is a thing not just like oh well we're going to go chain wrestle and then we're going to do this and do that. Like, Oh, and, and to bring it back to your original point, instead of just ranting like an idiot um, in Japan, they really care about all these little details. There's this appreciation to, uh, to those details. And you see that, it, uh, uh, there's a newer promotion GLEAT, that I just got into where they do UWF style matches, which as I mentioned earlier, are like very, uh, shoot style or, sh- you know, they have different rules and they look more shooty. It's, it's just an interesting, uh, part of their culture Culture that they're they're so into all combat sports and they they really like all they they have a healthy appreciation for all
0: agreed and that's something I I always find very interesting watching both Japanese pro wrestling and Japanese MMA, where the audience they, they react to the details that I think a lot of, you know, American fans would be like, you punch his fucking skull backwards, dick fuck, as opposed to the Japanese where they see like somebody like, oh, he's got a bit of Kimura, but he's bending the wrist back as a defense doing this. And they're like, ooh, look at that sexy piece of action.
1: Uh, yeah, you hear it in the, you hear it in the crowd. It's the all like that. They kind of give and they'll be quiet, but not in a disrespectful way. Not in like a, we don't care what you're doing. They're actually really trying. Rather than just like being like, yeah, Jimmy, like the whole time, they're like trying to see what are you doing exactly, and be respectful of the art. And then when they see, oh, okay, cool, he did this one. Oh, that's great. And if they think it's an appropriate time, they'll they'll give the reaction. I, I really appreciated that. Like that's cool that they they have a discerning eye and they really care about that. Rather than just being like fanatical, where they're just like, my guy's the best, because the, they're like, oh, okay, this is like. This guy is really putting his time into his craft. Let's appreciate it. It's it's a different kind of thing. Yeah.
0: You know, one last thing I really want to talk about before we we call it quits is you, a little while ago you said about how you know you got into wrestling and you tried it and you're like oh this is my thing. One thing that I I'm always curious to hear people's thoughts on when it comes to athletics, be it mixed martial arts, jujitsu, wrestling, pro wrestling. Do you think that success can be taught or is it innate? Because I I always just seem to think that like that determination to actually do it and succeed is something that just has to be in a person to begin with. And it can't really be taught. It can be coached. It can be encouraged. It can flourish. But I just don't feel like many people can walk in and academically say, I want to do this thing. And then, you know, they tap out 19 times in a row and it takes a special type of weirdo to wake up the next day and go. I'm going back for more.
1: <laughs> yeah, I. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely, man. Thinking back to some of my first uh, wrestling practices and just how tired I like, like uh, in in high school and college, you know, amateur wrestling, like just how beat up you get, or um, pro wrestling practices where you're a lot of times if you're learning how to bump or how to fall, you're teaching yourself how to hurt yourself, but control like how to only hurt yourself in the way that you want to. And it's like, man, just like thinking about how, how miserable that was. And, um, I mean, thinking back to the first few uh, times I trained in in a room with Barnett and how miserable, uh, but in a satisfying way that was, and then now being able to go back and have some success here and there and find little victories, it's it's something about it that, like, um, I don't know. I think, you know, there is the success from, like, the innate nature that you can have coached and and. Uh, prodded and helped. I do think there's some nurture. Obviously, you have to get lucky, like everything is kind of a series of both what's inside you and the circumstances that you know uh, come around from that. And uh, I don't know, it's there's something about combat sports, both pro wrestling and wrestling. It's like you get to uh, uh Chad George is um. Uh, an an MMA coach uh, in the room that Josh takes me to sometimes and he's a really, really good fighter and he said something to me once about, like, um, you know you have these habits uh like when you're getting mentally stronger and whatnot you have these habits and it's like an old shirt and it's kind of like yeah it's there it comforts you and you like it but sometimes you grow and you rip that shirt and once you rip that shirt off you don't have to wear that shirt but now you're mentally stronger now you're past that so even if that did bring you some warmth in the past now you're a stronger person you kind of with both pro wrestling and with, you know, MMA training, uh, and hopefully with anything that you have success in, life, you can kind of rebuild yourself or like have this kind of rebirth from it. Uh, and it takes a lot of work. And even in, if you were in baking or something, or, you know, I don't know if you made homes, you know, if you were in construction or whatever, like I get the same thing where you can kind of, it's just important to push yourself to want to push yourself and to, Break down mental barriers, and I don't know. Make yourself into the person that you want to be because you can't. Like you absolutely can. I didn't really expect that I was going to go into this like super like motivational. You can do this, but like you absolutely can. You just have to put your mind to it, put effort to it, and uh, and dedicate yourself and be willing to be miserable for a little bit. But as long as you're, you know, you're. <laughs> you have to want to become someone different than you are Man, that's a, whatever i'm ranting now uh i'm just gonna cut it out there but just you know what go out there and do what makes you fucking happy and and dedicate yourself to it is the the message i'm trying to convey
0: hell yeah and that's what you've been doing lately and i hear you have another uh, engagement with blood sport coming up tell us about that
1: yeah blood sports six it will uh, be happening on april 8th in tampa so i'm going to Florida, florida baby i'm gonna become a florida man uh luckily i got my uh my uh my covid uh, vaccine so i'm all good to go for that so I, just, I didn't mean to make this political sorry all all, the all, that
0: are- all pumped up on reptile dna ready to uh get your autism with your 5g i understand
1: yeah yeah. Jeff Bezos just pumped me full of his juice in my arm. Uh, any uh, no, I'm ready to go to Florida. I'm ready to kick some ass. Um, f- facing Alex Coglin in the rematch. I know he's going, uh, you know, he, he wants some revenge on me, but at the end of the day, uh, I'm going to take care of business. Uh, he's a, he's a really tough competitor. I think we brought the most, the best out of both of each other in, uh, in blood sport five, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm moving forward. I'm getting better every day. I'm in the room. I'm, I'm training. I'm learning new skills. So if he thinks that okay well he got me with that dragon sleeper so now i know how to defend it like i, I have other techniques that i've learned since then that i'm going to take him out with so uh i, I can't wait for tampa it's going to be it's going to be a, a goddamn party so you better be uh better be looking out for Bloodsport six
0: yeah yeah man i personally can't wait to see it i'm sure many people feel the same where can people find you on social media where are you active what uh, what should people be looking out for
1: yeah um, i am on uh, instagram at Royce Isaacs, Twitter, at Royce Isaacs. If you uh, thought this is the greatest interview of all time and you love me and you just want to support me so bad, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Royce Isaacs. Cop a West Coast Wrecking Crew shirt if you feel so inclined. And uh, if not, then uh, just send me kisses and hugs through your mental waves and don't ever approach me in person or say hi to me, please
0: advice that i can fully back up dude thank you so much for hanging out with me here on uh, via via the the old interwebs here it's always good to see your face um but thanks a lot for being here thanks for talking to us thanks for philosophizing about the the sport that is wrestling so for royce isaacs i'm nick Gossert. this is pro wrestling history nerds i'll talk to you next time